Thank you, everybody. This is so lovely. I, I loving seeing family in action. Ah, uh, so good. Whoo! Oh, let's just turn our affection back to Jesus for a little while. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you, Jesus. You are so beautiful and so magnificent and so glorious. Everything about you we love. We love everything that you do. We love everything that you are. I thank you that everything that we need is found in you. Lord, you're our desire. You're our passion. You're the majestic king. You're the glorious Lord. I just want to take a moment. Don't let me do all the talking. Just... Just turn your affection, turn your gaze and just tell him how much you love him. Tell him how beautiful you are. he is to you. Jesus, I thank you that you've reconciled us to God. I thank you that you've taken the barrier that separated us from God and you've removed it. Lord, I thank you that you've taken the barrier that separated us from each other and you've removed it. I thank you that you've reconciled all things in heaven and on earth. Lord, I thank you that you've made peace by the blood of your cross. I thank you that we stand before you in the righteousness of Christ. I thank you that we stand before you as holy and blameless and spotless and above reproach in your sight if we've confessed you as our Lord and if we believe you as our Savior. I thank you that your life is now our life. I thank you that you've taken our lives and you've hidden us in you, in the Father. I thank you that you have placed us into you and you've been willing to join yourself to us and we've become one with you. I thank you that you, as you ascended to heaven, Lord, you took us with you. I thank you that you have created us to live an ascended life, to live in the glory realm. I thank you that we're seated with you in heavenly places. I thank you that you dwell on the inside, Father and Son, by the Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. I thank you that you're God with us, that you're here, you're amongst us and we worship you. Well, I feel excited about that. I don't know about anyone else, but come on, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're so good and you're so beautiful and you're so kind. And oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. Lord, we don't, we don't want to just know about you. We want to know you. We don't want to just hear stories about what you do, but we want to experience you for ourselves. And I thank you that you've given us that opportunity to experience you, to live in the glory, to live in the throne room, to to stand in your presence and to experience and encounter you, not just as a theory, not just as a theology, but as a relationship, as a person who loves to crash in on us and to, to undo our hearts and to redo our hearts after your image. I thank you for the truth of Romans 8, 29 that says that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of your son because you loved your son so much and you wanted him to have lots and lots of brothers and sisters that look just like him, you predestined us to be conformed to his image. Ha! So good. So very good. So very good. Jesus, we worship you. Father, thank you for sending your son on the mission and for accepting his sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. 
that we don't have to ever have to sacrifice to earn your favor because we've already have it. Just take a moment to wait before you. Oh, your beautiful presence. <laughs> oh, you are so good. You are so good. Magnificent in everything that you do. I've been spending quite a lot of time in Revelation chapter four and Revelation chapter five. I, I um, earlier, well, late last year, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me about just reading through the Gospels. And so I've been reading through the Gospels primarily because I feel like he wanted me to get in touch again and fall more deeply in love with the magnificence of who Jesus is. For his life and his glory and his love and his splendor. And so I want to take a moment to just to look at Revelation 5. Let me give you some context as we, as we get into this. Um, you know, this is... Uh, the book of Revelation, it starts in, you know, obviously starts in chapter one, Revelation, wow. It starts in chapter one and uh, John, who's on the island of Patmos as a, is one of the apostles, the one that laid his head on Jesus's bosom. He's on this island in, uh, in exile, having been imprisoned and persecuted for his faith. He's on this island and it says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's just worshiping and meditating and, 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 and he has these encounters. And in Revelation chapter four, what happens is he he gets this open, he sees a vision of an open door into heaven and the, and the open door says, come up here. And so and immediately it says in the spirit, he was taken up into heaven. And in Revelation chapter four, he gets a picture. The first thing he sees is the throne of God. He sees God himself, and he, but you know, he can't describe him. So he, he uses words like like, he's like, he's like fire. Jasper and Carnelian are like red and, and, and orange. And it's like, he sees God like he's a man on fire. And, and there's this, the, the, the rainbow and the, and the sea of glass. And, and, and then there's the 24 elders around the throne. And there's these four living creatures that are worshiping and saying, holy, 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 day and night, not stopping, just, just declaring who God is and his magnificence and his holiness and, and the elders falling down and saying, you're worthy, Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. And he's the God on his throne, the beautiful one. And, and, and John gets this vision and he's, he's undone with this vision. But then as it starts in chapter five and I'm reading from the New King James Version, it, it, John moves on and he says, he, and he moves from seeing God in all his glory to seeing that he has something in his hand. And so in verse one, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the thro throne, a scroll written inside on, on, and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now there's, just pause for a minute there. There's a lot of, people that have different theories about what that scroll actually represents. And for me, what that represents to me is that there is this, it's the purposes and the plans of God for, for, for the end 
time for him for him for the present all the way through the purposes of God to fulfill he wants to fulfill in bringing his justice and his judgment to the earth in bringing in establishing the rule and the reign of his Christ his Messiah of establish of, of putting the enemy in um, into uh, you know to where he belongs so to fo- see the final defeat of the enemy and to judge the nations and to re-establish his heaven and, and earth that's the scroll it's God's purpose his redemptive plan for all of humanity and for his creation. And so there's this scroll that it's written on the front and the back and it's sealed with seven seals. And, and John hears, and he goes on to say, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Who is worthy to take the salvation plan of God? Who is worthy to move forward with God's purpose in redemption for, for, the, for all of humanity and for, for, for everything that he wants to purpose? Who is worthy? And no one, verse three, no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and to look at it. Now I want just to take another pause there for a minute. I want you, you know, so often religion tells you that what you do will affect God. So often we'll tell you that you could somehow by the life that you live, by living, being a good person and, 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 and doing the right thing and following the rules is somehow going to make you worthy. Sometimes people that aren't religious just say, well, actually, I should be able to get into heaven because I'm a good person. You know, I should be able to step into this because of all the good things that I've done. I'm nice to people. I'm kind to the animals. I don't, you know, I don't do various things. But the the reality, heaven's perspective is that even if we've missed the mark by one little tiny dot, we've missed it. And actually, heaven's perspective is there is no one found worthy to fulfill God's plan of salvation and history. except for one that we're going to see in a minute. And it's not that we are somehow miserable worms before the Lord. It's just that in and of ourselves, we haven't got what it takes. In and of ourselves, we're not worthy to fulfill his plan. You know that God has a plan and a destiny and your purpose for your life, but you on your own are not worthy to fulfill it. God has a plan and a destiny for this church, for the church in the, in the, in the nation, in the world, the big, you know, the, all of us together, his people. He has a plan for this, for this earth, but we are not worthy to fulfill it on our own. We're just not. We've missed, we've missed the mark. We've fallen short. And so John, he, he's looking around. He's looking, he's waiting. Who is worthy? Who's worthy? And there's nobody worthy. And so John's response in verse four was, so I wept much. I wept because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. John's getting this perspective. Can there be no one worthy? Oh, this is tragic. This is awful. This is, this is dire. There's no hope. There's nothing for us. I, you know, he just weeps and he weeps. Have you ever been in that space where you feel like things are hopeless? Have you ever been in that space where you're so aware of your shortcomings? You're so aware of your lack. You're so aware of, I can't do this. You're so aware of, of, I've fallen here and I can't do this and I'm powerless and I'm going around this mountain again and I've tried to get breakthrough and I haven't. I've been believing for healing and I haven't. And I've been blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I'm, I'm more aware of, what's go, of what I don't have. And I weep. 
I look at this nation sometimes and I, and I, and I look at what's going on in this nation and, and it, it causes me to weep. It's like, oh God, we need you. Oh man, this, you know, the nation and the nations of the world, there's so much difficulty, there's so much challenge, there's so much personal and then corporate angst and difficulty. And it can lead to a feeling of hopelessness. Even if our own lives that we're doing well, but when we look around us and we look at the lives of others and, and I'm aware of difficulties and challenges here in this community and people that are really finding things hard to break through and it just causes us to weep. Just, just to feel our lack. And John's in that place. So he says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or look at it. But then I love this next verse. But one of the elders, there's 24 elders around the throne. And one of the elders, he turns and he says to John, do not weep, behold. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. There is one found worthy. There is one who is worthy. There is one who can take the scroll and to open its seals. And when this happened, now when he had taken the scroll, verse eight, the four living creatures and the 24 elders who had until that moment been falling down before the throne of God, they fall down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, John says, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying, with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, which is you and me, by the way. All that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honour and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen! And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Gosh, I love Revelation. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Father, thank you for that glimpse into the glory. That's where you and I live, you know, according to Ephesians chapter 2. And I might, part of my prayer over this year, I uh, feel like the Lord's birthing something in us is that we as corporately become more and more tuned into that. But I wanna just pick up the thing that just jumped out at me at first as I was thinking and meditating on this was in verse five. And I love the way the New King James says it, which is why I read it there. And the elder that turns to John, what does he say? He says, do not weep. Behold. Last week, Ash preached a brilliant 
brilliant message, in my opinion, on, on Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work in, in us, to him be glory and in the church now and forevermore. Amen. And she talks about this now. We live in the everlasting now. That God is, in, is God is here for us now. But then she said, but to him. Turn to him. And this is the very same thing. It's like the elder saying to John, hey, John, don't weep. Don't be focused on the things that are going on around you that are all wrong. Don't be focused on the things that you, you know, don't be focused on the lack of, of, of breakthrough or the fact that there's nobody worthy. What I want you to do is behold. Now that word behold means pay attention to. Look, hear, see. What you look at, Ash said, and I last week, and I loved it, is that what you look at is what you worship. You've got your eyes on the situation around you. You've got your eyes on the challenges and the difficulties. What you're worshiping is the difficulties. Now, what John, the elder, saying to John is, John, do not weep. Pay attention. Have a look. See what it is. See. And, and, then, and then John says, and so I looked and I saw the lion of the tribe of Judah, the victorious king, the, the root of David, the, the lion, the one who's overcome. It says, John says, the, well, the elder says, he has overcome. The elder says, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. There is one found worthy to fulfill the mission and the mandate and the purpose of God. And he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, what does that mean? If you're not familiar with that phrase, back in um, Genesis chapter 49, one of the founding fathers of Israel, a man called Jacob, he had 12 sons. One of his sons was called Judah. And in Genesis 49, he lays hands on all of his sons and he blesses them. And the blessing that he gives to Judah in, in Genesis 49, 10 is this. He says, the, 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 the scepter, the rulership will never depart from you. All your brothers will serve you. And I think he goes on to say, and all the nations will serve you. Uh, but then verse nine, before that, he goes, Judah, you are like a lion's cub. You rise from the prey, who can rouse you? And there's that, you know, that, so the blessing that came to Judah was you are going to be powerful, you are going to be strong, you're going to be like a lion that doesn't, is not fearful or fearless, you know, sorry, is fearless and is actually going to eat, you know, feast on its prey and all the nations will serve him and that fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The fearless one, the powerful one, the victorious king. He's the victorious king. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now, David, he was one of the kings of Israel, the, of ancient Israel, that was the most, um, his, under his leadership, Israel was the most glorious. He was the warrior king. But he pointed to the true warrior, Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has overcome. Oh, we've got good news we carry good news. The gospel is good news that there is one who is on the inside of us who overcomes. Come on! So John turns around and he looks and what does he see? Well, he sees a lamb that was slain with seven horns and seven eyes. I believe the seven horns represents perfect authority. 
He's the one that has authority over all things. And then the seven eyes, John's uh, revelation says, is the seven spirits of God that, go, uh, that are sent throughout all the earth. Jesus, one with the perfect authority, one with this perfect vision who sees everything that we're experiencing. He's the lamb that was slain. He's the lamb that was slain, who's acquainted with suffering, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And so John turns and he sees the lion and the lamb, the victorious king, the suffering servant, the one who has overcome through his suffering. And he's victorious and he's the champion. Come on. And all of heaven breaks out and the elders break out and they're like, you are worthy, Lord, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For by your blood you are slain and you purchase men for God. Men and women for God, you and I, we've been purchased, we've been taken away from out of our sin and out of our difficulty and out of our challenges by the precious blood of Jesus, out of our death and out of our slavery to the enemy. We've been brought out of that by the precious blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed, brought back, back into relationship with the Father. Oh, what a glorious salvation. And it's not just a certain group of people, but it's from every tribe and tongue and nation and people. I love it this morning that we're singing in Spanish because it's the kingdom of God right there because you know I've got news for you heaven isn't white heaven's not black heaven's not Asian heaven is all of those things because God has created men and women who's redeemed men and women from every tribe every group every tongue every nation and we are reconciled together. He's not just the victorious king that's removed the separation between us and God, but he's the victorious king and the suffering servant that's removed every bit of blockage between us right here. Come on. It's beautiful and it's glorious and it's wonderful. And he's, he's infused into us the ability to relate to each other just as we relate to God. Come on. There's, listen, there's no place for racism in the kingdom of heaven. Let me say that one more time. There's no place for racism in the kingdom of heaven. Because we're all created in the image of God. We're all equal. And most importantly, we've all been redeemed. Come on, every tribe and tongue and nation. And the elders, they cast their crowns. And it, you know, but we've been redeemed to purpose. You've made them a kingdom and you've made them to be priests. You've made them to be people that rule. You've been made them to be people that worship and minister to you across the earth. Ah, come on. We're, we're called to be kings and priests. What does it mean? Let's just take a moment because I, I just feel in this burden that we are to be, keep beholding the Lord to pay attention to him, to look at him, to, to focus our gaze and our affection upon him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, the king Hezekiah, he gathers all of Israel to him. He gathers, oh, actually to, to Judah, because uh, he was the king of Judah at the time. And, and, he, and he speaks to the, Israel, the, the Levites, who were the, 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 the tribe of Israel that were set apart to worship and to be priests to God. And he says this to them, the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to be his ministers. The, Catch the fire, rally. The Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to be his ministers. That's part of our calling. 
I remember talking to a friend, you know, he's, he, he was a business guy and he, and he says to me, oh, you know, well, you're the priest and I'm the king. And I'm like, no, we're both. We're the priest and the king. Whatever we do, we don't have to have a, a title that says pastor to be a priest. You are a priest. That's your calling, part of your calling. To minister to the Lord, to release life to Him, to, to not release life, release adoration to Him and to enjoy Him and to feast on Him and to sit in His goodness and tell Him how wonderful He is and, and just tell Him how beautiful and glorious and majestic He is and, and how much He means to you and how your life could suck without Him and how just everything that you need is found in Him and His salvation is so complete and He's so pure and He's so spotless and He's so beautiful and He's so glorious and He's so lovely and we feast our souls, we pay attention we behold, we look. Come on. And we can say, well, we've got busy lives and we've got busy challenges and we've got lots going on and that's all true. But I just wanna say to you, start somewhere. And I'm hearing stories more and more of, of people in this community that are spending hours and of just worship and adoration and the Lord's revealing wisdom and strength and creativity and ideas and anointing. And there's so much to find in the glory because that's, that's where we've been called to live. And so, you know, it's a, I, I, this is not my analogy. I, I found it, I think it's one of the ancient mystics or something. But you know, when a baby is nursing on the breast, a newborn baby. What do they do? Well, they suck on the breast to get the milk flowing. But once the milk starts to flow, they don't suck anymore, they just drink. And then when the milk starts to stop, then they start to suck again, and then the milk flows, and then they drink. And so for me, part of that worship is just is this adoration. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna adore, which is going to start the milk flowing. And so, oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, I, that's, I, I behold you. I pay attention to you. You are wonderful and you are glorious. And all of a sudden, I start to feel the milk. I start to feel the, his, not just me giving adoration to him, but him now reciprocating and pouring that back out on me. And I love to just sit in his presence. It makes me smile and experience his goodness. And then I start to think about the washing. And I start to think about the fact that I had, got a, what am I gonna cook for dinner tonight? And then I start to get distracted with a bunch of other things. Has that happened to you or is that just me? You know, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I've got that issue. I've got that meeting tomorrow. I wonder how that's gonna go. And you get distracted. Well, what we need to do is we need to then suck on that milk again, which is adore, adore, oh, but Jesus, oh, I worship you. I honor you. I love you, I pay attention, I feast myself on you and then I'm back in. It's our life, it's our calling, that's our privilege is to behold, catch the fire. I wanna say, if you're watching online, if you're here to get to today, what I've, I, my burden for myself, for my family, for all of us is that we behold his glory is that we take time to behold his beauty and his majesty. And in doing so, I feel like the Lord has many things for us. Yesterday, no, Friday, Ezzy comes from, from our second oldest daughter. She's come from working in the wine. She comes in the house, I'm preparing. She's like, snake, snake, there's a snake. And so we go outside and in, in the garage, garage, there's a snake. There's a, a copperhead. It's about 18 inches long, probably. And, um, but you know, we've, we've been, um, we've been, we have a, a, a company that 
we pay to come and collect um, insects for us, right? So we got these boxes that are around the place that have got sticky glue on the inside that are like scented. The insect comes in and then it gets stuck and it can't move, right? And so this, we see the snake and the snake's head is in the box, but the tail is outside. And so I'm like, okay, that's weird. So I go back in to, to call Wake County Animal Control, who says, no, you have to call the sheriff. So I call the sheriff. The sheriff said, no, we don't do that. You've got to call a private company. We call our company that's been doing the pet thing and um, the pest thing. And they say, no, here's another company. We call that company. And um, they say, no, we're not coming to touch it. So I'm like, I think I can kill this thing now. But I go inside, I come back out and the, the, the whole box is flipped around and the snake's tail is pointing in a different direction. But the snake, is, the head is still in the box. And I realise that the snake has got stuck on the sticky things. Right? And so I get this thing and I, well, you know, that was the end of the snake. But anyway, what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me is when you pay attention to me, when you focus on me, when you adore me, when you live in a place, in a realm of experiencing the joy and the communion with me, I am going to take care of all of your enemies for you. Come on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It was Jehoshaphat, the king in 2 Chronicles 20, who sends the army into battle against far outnumbered. And there's the worshippers at the front that are going, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. And God does a massive breakthrough. Come on, we're joining with heaven because he's worthy. He's worthy for all that he's done for us. He's worthy because of his love. He's worthy because of his sacrifice. He's worthy because he's victor. He's worthy because he is Lord of all. And we live in this tension of even of between living with the, we live in the tension of the lion and the lamb. And sometimes we don't get to see as much of what the breakthrough that we're looking for is that we hope for. Have you ever experienced those seasons where it just feels like it's hard? It feels like there's difficulty, there's challenge. It feels like we're not getting breakthrough. But, and we're living in a sense, we're living in the suffering of the lamb. But, and, and we can't just live in triumph. We, there's the reality of life. But I want you to know that even though there is suffering, that the joy comes in the morning because the Lord is victorious. And we're not just worshipping the lamb that was slain, although we love the lamb that was slain. We're worshipping that lamb who was slain in his, in his being slain was actually the victory. And we now worship not just the lamb that was slain, but the conquering victorious king. And there's no situation and there's no circumstance in your life that you might be finding hard and difficulty, uh, having a lot of difficulty with that a focus on the lion and the lamb will change your perspective. And so it's not, for, it's not just for people that are going, life is going well. This is beholding John. You know, he, there's a potential. They, they think that he was dipped in oil, hot oil. All his skin was burnt and he's, he's, in, he's on an island on his own having been persecuted and he's beholding, he's having visions. It's not like life is going beautifully for him. In the moment of challenge and difficulty, he's paying attention, he's turning his gaze, he's saying, oh Jesus, I worship you. You're worthy, Lord. And so I want us to wrap this, uh, I wanna finish, you know, uh, there's so much more to say, but anyway, here's the thing. When we behold, we become more like him. And that's his passion, to conform us to his image. And so just now, what I want us to do is we're actually gonna take communion together. Now, I just need to 
So listen, if this is your home church, you, you, we, we're familiar with doing communion one way, but I don't want to do that this today. So you need to just pay attention for a minute, please, okay? Around the, 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 the tables here, around the auditorium, there's tables with uh, juice and cracker. Here's what I would like you to do. I want you to go and to get some juice and cracker and then come back to your seat because what I want to do together is I want to adore him. I want us to take some moment. I'm going to ask the band to come up as well and they're going to give a little bit of music, but we're just going to take some time to tell him how worthy and how wonderful and how beautiful he is as we take communion together. Can we do that? So could you just go and get your communion as quickly as possible? I've gone on a little too uh, longer than I should, but... Um, Get the communion and then come back. Perfect. there's people around you but right now I want to invite you to close off everything else that's going around you and focus your attention on Jesus Christ focus your attention on how much he means to you on his worth and his beauty thank you Holy Spirit of your heart and your attention and your affection on Jesus, your beautiful Savior.
Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. Blessing and honor, glory and power, and wisdom and wealth and dominion belong to you. You're our champion, Savior. You're the one who is worthy. Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? And on earth there is no equal. Though my heart and my flesh may fail, you, Lord, are the strength of my heart and my portion forever.